And welcome in, everybody, another episode of College Hockey here on MNCAA. It is episode number 18. And to start things off a little bit differently this week, because we had a really random Tuesday afternoon game between the Huskies and the Bulldogs, two NCHC foes, teams in the top 10 in the country, uh, rescheduled game from January. And for the fun of it, we brought in both Noah Grant, again, from Warming House 10 and Max Featuring from 10,000 Takes to talk about last night's game. We'll eventually get to a, just a very short preview for both teams on their upcoming weekend schedules as well. But Noah, I'm going to start with you. How you doing? How things been? Yeah, well, I, my Tuesday night uh, was great. Um, I don't know about Max, but we had a good time. Um, yeah, kind of weird to just... To, yeah, right, right away, right. Uh, kind of like you said, kind of weird to have a, a Tuesday hockey game, first time for the Huskies at home since 2003. So I mean, uh, but can you really complain based on the fact that the Wild? I see Max got has his Kirill Kaprizov jersey in the background. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov and the rest of the Wild were unfortunately non-existent last night against Winnipeg. So uh, we'll take what we can get. And for you, Max, uh, not the uh, response you were hoping for. Um, definitely not the uh, the turnout you were hoping for for a Tuesday game, uh, especially being off last weekend, had a, a bye weekend. But uh, how are we feeling? Have we uh, licked the salt, uh, the salt off the wound or uh, how are we feeling this Wednesday? Yeah, cheeks were a little salty from the tears last night for sure. Uh, I was really hoping to have a, a different result and you know, you always kind of have that that lingering fear in the back of your mind as a Bulldogs fan during the regular season. When is the, the shoe going to drop? And it ultimately did last night. You know, you got a 50-50 shot usually going into a one-goal game with the last five minutes in the Bulldogs. And uh, unfortunately, it, it went the way of St. Cloud. So I'm, I'm looking to bounce back in another big series this weekend. Let's, let's take a part, first of all, besides the ref puck. I can't say ref ball because that doesn't make sense. But the ref puck, right? There's a there's some interesting refereeing going on in this hockey game. Uh, some stuff that wasn't called, some stuff that was called that kind of caught the eyes of, of both fans on both sides, right? Uh, can we just say right off the bat, the officiating this year has been kind of bad? Is, is that okay to say? Yeah, I would say at the best, it's been inconsistent. I don't want to say it's bad across the board, but it certainly hasn't been good or bad for anybody in every game. Yeah, and I think that, you know, to Max's point, I think every team, for better or for worse, has had some share of that at some point. I go back to St. Cloud, uh, go for gate, if you will, in overtime, Nick Perbix getting tugged into the next postal code. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, you talking about he just fell. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> no kidding. Right. There is speaking of falling. Right. Um, I, I think the big play that circled around social media from last night's game is what you what looked like a trip in real time. Um, and it, this was what about a minute 10 left in regulation. The Huskies would eventually score a little bit later on after uh, they pulled the goalie six on five. Um, Max, I want to get your take first because uh, you you had some words to say about it on social media. Again, when you saw it in real time, thought it was a trip, obviously. I guess, what did you see on the play? Yeah, I mean, when you're coming down two on two, it, it's usually a pretty good rush in a normal game with a goalie in net. When you've got an empty net, it's it's you know almost a sure thing. So when you see a guy like Ladderoke get pulled down, in my eyes, is how it went anyway, and you're you're basically giving up a for sure game-winning goal there, um, or game clinching goal, maybe not winning, but it, it's kind of rough to to think about that. Even going into overtime, it kind of takes all the momentum out when you really want to see it go in, you know, off of uh, a, a much better play, we'll say. Um, and not that that directly affected the, you know, forthcoming goal, but it, it certainly changed the momentum. 
And uh, Noah, you, you, you watched the same play. Now we talked a little bit before this pre-show again, in real time. I, I don't think there's a lot that you can argue with max, honestly, uh, but a little bit of careful breakdown. Uh, you decided that maybe, maybe not. Yeah, definitely I, live right away. I mean, I was all for Bulldogs fans, I think, in that moment. I mean, live, it looked very bad. Um, and to Max's point, uh, that's exactly how hockey works, right? A play like that turns up in the back of the, somebody's net. I think that's how it always works. Um, yeah, but we kind of took a look at it and broke it down frame by frame. Uh, credit to Everything College Hockey for putting that gif up early. And we pulled that out and took a look at it. And, um, you know, I don't know particularly if I would call it a non-call, but I think maybe there's a little bit more understanding from what the official saw from when we broke it down. So the first thing is uh, ladder, like you mentioned, had a good five or six feet on Yami Kranola coming into the zone, just hitting the blue line. All of a sudden Kranola came in first play is a stick lift, right? And anytime you get your stick lifted, um, first of all, a good play by Kranola, at least hustling back and getting that stick lift. But anytime you get your stick lifted, the instinct, and I think Latterett's instinct, was to lean right into that play because he's expecting Cranola to kind of follow through. Cranola never did that because he was so extended that I think Latterett was waiting for that contact and leaned into it, and nothing was there. Unfortunately, the only thing that was there was Yami Cranola's stick. So do you want to call that a, a trip by default because Latterett goes over top of him? I don't think that gets called with a minute 30 left in a hockey game like that. I'm sorry. But at the same time, you know, I think it was just Latterud was so ready for that contact because Cranola closed that gap so quickly that, and it was such a bang, bang play where even when we walk back through it, Nick and I, before the show, I mean, it's two or three frames. So watching it live. Yeah, it looks awful. But I think when you break it down, it's such a quick stick lift and reaction from Latterud that I think that's the, what the official saw is he saw the stick lift first and was like, I'm putting my whistle in my pocket because the play on the puck, so to speak, has already been made. Um, and just a really unfortunate result for the Bulldogs. I mean, what, what more can you say? So Max looks like he's ready to chomp at the bit here. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it's it's awfully nice of him to compliment the reaction skills of Ladder out so, so well there. I mean, just to compliment an opposing player like that, you don't often see it, but, you know, I'll take it wherever I can get it. <laughs> Max, you know, and here's the funny thing too. And, you know, we often focus in on the two players that are involved too. And oftentimes we sort of overlook the referee's position on the play. He was right there. In fact, he was right in front of the play. And I think, at least from my perspective, you know, he had a good look on it. And to me, he had the right angle on it when he was dead center on. And you could probably see like Noah described that stick lift. And then maybe did the stick really come into the legs and impede progress therefore causing a trip? Um, dare I say that this was the correct officiating? Did we say they got one right here? I, I will refuse <laughs> to yield that it was correct officiating. What I will say, <laughs> what I will say is that if anything, it, it keeps hockey the sport that it is today. It prevents it from becoming a soccer where people are falling over on purpose. It's, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll say that the embellishment call that they played earlier, put up earlier in the game against St. Cloud, like that keeps hockey the game that it is right now. And it keeps everybody honest on the ice that you don't see in, in things like soccer or some basketball or anything like that. So if if I'm going to concede anything, I'm, I'm glad that the sport is better because of it. Let's uh, let's concede one thing. This was still uh, when these two teams get together. This is still something you circle if you're in the NCHC. This is quite the matchup. Uh, talking to Coach Sandlin beforehand, I mean, you can see it. I mean, these two teams know each other well. They played similar styles. It, it's always, pardon the pun, a, a dogfight. Um, I suppose Max for the first forty minutes, this was 
pretty much all Bulldogs. So, if, you know, if there's, I guess, a little bit of a positive here, uh, the Bulldogs, it's been their starts that have been kind of been their Achilles heel uh, this season. What did you like about the first 40 minutes that ended up giving them a 2 nothing lead to begin with? Yeah, I mean, you you alluded to it really well there. It's It's been a rough go for the Bulldogs in the second period all year long. We've touched on it a couple episodes ago, just saying that that's something they need to improve on. And they certainly did it here at the end of the first and all the way through the second. I mean, they really controlled the pace of play. They controlled the puck well. And it's not to say that St. Cloud didn't have shots, but they were limited opportunities and Fanti was in a position to make saves on it. So it was nice to see that uh, out of them. Having the lead for 43 plus minutes was rough because that's 71% of the game. And when you walk out of the game with 45% of a win, even though, you know, you went into overtime shootout and everything else that happened, it's, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. It's, it's similar to, I don't know if either you grew up with siblings or not, but when you break down a a candy bar or you have to split a sandwich or something like that, and one sibling gets a a larger half, you think about that for the rest of your life. It's in the back (laughs) of your mind saying, I want that extra piece next time. So I'm I'm really hoping that's the the mentality the Bulldogs have. And, and Noah, you know, honestly, we've talked about certain players in the Huskies roster that have had good play all season, but more so I think what was so important in this game who really showcased and honestly kept the Huskies in it. David Rennick had one hell of an afternoon for the first 40 minutes. Uh, You know, had he not had a good game, I'm not sure the Huskies are able to pull back in this one. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. And I think that if this game goes the other direction, Ryan Fanti is to to be praised on the other end. I thought he had an exceptional game as well, too. And uh, um, but yeah, David Rennick gave his team a chance. And we talked about it uh, in the second intermission last night. Nick, uh, you, I and Caleb Peabody did a little bit about what the Huskies kind of needed to do. And uh, to be honest, I think St. Cloud truly was one period away from having a hair pulling out moment. Uh, for this team where it felt like there would be chaos and fire in Huskies nation had they not pulled that one out last night. So I don't know what was said in that locker room, by the way, uh, in between periods by Dave Shyak, but I'm guessing it was a come to Jesus talk, so to speak, for this Huskies team when they responded. But until that point, it was David Rennick. And as Max talked about so eloquently, Bulldogs were not only Max put it lightly, they were not only just a little bit better, they were better by a mile. The way that they played defensively, the Huskies shot chart in the first period did not have a shot inside the dots, you know, in the slot at all in period number one. The Bulldogs, had they played the final period, the way they played in the first two period, that game should have been seven, nothing. Duluth deserved to win that one by a mile until you hit period number three. And Max, I, I can't imagine, and, and I actually, for both of us, not only working for the Huskies, but also Huskies fans, I will concede that Duluth should actually deserve better, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, as much as David Rennick was good, Fancy was unbelievable in a hockey game too at, at certain times as well. Yeah, if if I can get that play out of Fancy, I, I won't even say the rest of the year. I'll say just in the, the few playoff games, assuming that they make it there. I will be happy and I'll take it 10 times out of 10. He was making saves in position and, and had good position. And even when he wasn't in position, he was being able to reach over there, had good eyesight and was able to rely on his instincts to, to get some big saves. So the other big play, and this is actually going to a, a big addition for the Bulldogs. And this was one I thought was supposed to end the game. How about Casey Gilling in overtime, uh, you know, going through a couple defensemen backhand shelf and, just went over the crossbar max. I mean, watching that one, did you did you feel like that was in? I mean, the, the, a big reason why Sandlin went out and got him to transfer to, to UMD. We talked about him again a couple of weeks ago and how we felt like he 
we would we needed to see more from him. And I feel like we did a little bit last night and uh, nearly cashed in and nearly uh, saved the game for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I wasn't actually able to join in until the third period. So I was listening on the radio for the first two. Didn't get to see any of the good play. And then I just saw the third period. So put the put the jinx title on me for tuning in like that. And, <laughs> you know, when I saw that one, that specific play, I, I jumped out of my seat. I was just I was ecstatic because I thought that was the game winner there. And it was one of those plays that you kind of saw develop. And it was something that you're not used to seeing out of the Bulldogs. So it was nice to, to, to finally get to witness it once. But ultimately, a little bit high, didn't go in the net. And it was an unfortunate result on, on that front as well. But brings you to a little bit of an optimistic standpoint if, if you're a Bulldogs fan, knowing that he does have that in the tank for later on. Why do I have the feeling that Bruce Siski is somewhere writing notes? Now, where is Max Beach for <laughs> the Bulldogs games? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, you talk about broadcaster jinx and whatnot, but going back to other performers, the Bulldogs, uh, a couple of the names of Tanner Latteru again, uh, had a game. I thought Quinn Olson was really, yeah. really good. Yes. Uh, I thought that he really drove a lot of the offense uh, for UMD. Uh, but also, how about two other guys that maybe went silent as far as the score sheet? But how about Blake Biondi and Wyatt Kaiser? Holy cow. Did they have really good games for the uh, for the Bulldogs as well? Yeah, I mean, Wyatt Kaiser, we've seen it for a couple of years now, especially last year. I know it was talked about on a couple of different formats and platforms, but even in that uh, overtime game against North Dakota, you saw him. He was the highlight of the Bulldogs in that game, and he continued to be the highlight last night as well. He steps up in the big games. He's got a motor that just doesn't stop when he's out there, and he seems like he's he's kind of the leader on that on that defensive front when they need somebody to step up, so... Uh, I'm hoping, similar to some other guys on the team, that that is coming to the forefront now and they're able to rely on that moving forward. And beyond it, you, you kind of mentioned it there as well. He had another great night. He's a, a young kid, a hometown hero, as I call him all the time, from Hermantown, just on top of the hill there, just made the short trip down to UMD. But he was he was about a you know three or four inches away from sealing it in the shootout as well, hitting the post and just another one that you wish would have gone in and it would have had a, a much different result, not only for the night, but for NCHC standings and, you know, potentially playoff seating moving forward. Noah, we talked about David Rennick uh, and just like the Bulldogs, uh, some standout performers for uh, the uh, for the Huskies as well. Uh, a couple names. How about the Flying Fins? I mm -hmm. thought Crandall and Vitti were, were very much more noticeable. Mike and Miller, I thought a game. But what about, speaking of young players, how about Josh Lidke on the back end? I thought he looked exceptional for the Huskies last night. Yeah, he looked very good, especially in overtime. And, uh, you know, St. Cloud has not, for, for some reason, has not predominantly been a good overtime team in terms of puck possession. Uh, it felt so last year, but this year, I mean, they controlled probably about three and a half, four minutes of that overtime, which is something, especially against uh, Duluth and how good that they were able to kind of manage that hockey game. Even through period number three, another player that I thought um, had a really good game for the Bulldogs, by the way, I thought Louis Rail actually, you know, when he rides the right side of that line of discipline, which I thought he did last night was clearing pucks out and making it difficult for the Huskies as well. But like you mentioned um, for such a young player like Josh to be able to continue to have that poise, especially in overtime, having a couple of chances. And one of the things I like about Josh, especially being a young defenseman is you have a tendency when you feel like you're getting beat or you feel like you're stepping up and then you get caught in the play, so to speak, to feel like you need to, 
overreacts sometimes in terms of trying to recover position. Josh never cheats his feet. And what I mean by that is he's always in the right position and anticipating, yes, I'm going to step up here, but if I don't, have I put my momentum and my body in a position to recover? And that's one of the things that impressed me so much about Josh is, yeah, he wasn't a big score sheet performer last night, but he played like someone who wasn't a freshman on that ice sheet. He played like an upperclassman last night. Um, and with the loss of Nick Pervix, obviously, for the next couple of weeks, that'll be a huge addition. So let's actually talk about the shootout, the game, uh, the game winner was uh, per se, right? Let's talk about uh, you know Yami Cranola. Um, I want to give both of your takes in a short thirty to forty-five second take here. Um, so Max, I'm gonna start with you. Um, was that a goal, and or was it not a goal? The one that's in question. Uh, ultimately, it was ruled a goal. Uh, I would say that from a slow motion, when you break it down, standpoint. Yes, it looks like his momentum carried it in. What I saw in the replay and just what I see are the goalies, and maybe it's because I'm a terrible shoot shooter, but their momentum carries them sideways. And yeah, their foot might be moving backwards, but if your stick isn't there to continue pushing it forward, that puck is going to bounce out off of a skate, off of the pad or whatever. So, you know, props to, to St. Cloud for for making the push there and, and knowing that that's what you're going to have to do. But uh, I think that that one deserved a little bit more scrutiny and that's that's saying a lot after how long it took him to review it go all day um and here, here's why i say that uh j one because i really just hate max so much um no uh <laughs> what it actually comes down to uh max i think the only thing that uh you know put me in the direction and not just because we were cheering for the Huskies. I think it's the fact that his pad is right on the goal line when it makes contact with the puck. I think if he's out another foot, I'm with you all day. Um, I think it's just the fact that it's so close to the goal line and the other pieces, they called it a goal on the ice. So I think if you're a Bulldogs fan, you look at that and you're like, I don't know if there's enough here to overturn that, unfortunately. Um, I got to say, though, Nick, tough night to be a Bulldogs fan. It just was one of those nights that you thought you had everything in the bag and then uh, a catastrophic. I don't, even, I don't even want to call them series of errors, but it was just like not your night suddenly. Um, it happens in the NCHC, but I'm going to be honest, uh, five-point gap between St. Cloud and Minnesota Duluth, uh, I, I like it. I like it. I like to see the the narrowing of the, the conference here. Um, and, and points are crucial, right? Uh, you know, so it wasn't the really? worst night for the Bulldogs. Uh, St. Cloud, not the best night per se. Uh, you do gain one point of ground there on the Bulldogs who are sitting in the last home ice position in the NCHC. Yeah. If, uh, if, if I may interject, Nick, how badly did the Huskies need a game like that, though? Sorry for Duluth, yeah. fans, but how badly did they need to just steal a hockey game? We talked about it coming off the weekend against Denver, where I thought the Huskies were okay for stretches, and they, they couldn't find a way against one of the better teams in the country. What better to do it against an opponent that you saw seven times last year? Don't you think there's some familiarity with the Bulldogs? And, hey, we've got three more of these, hopefully, on the docket between Duluth uh, and St. Cloud, so this could really get dicey really quickly. And, and Max, uh, to that point, so almost similarly, you know, for the Bulldogs, you know, you, you lose a tough one, right? Uh, this is this is certainly going to be in the back of the minds, you know, uh, of a lot of the Bulldogs faithful. And then you have to go to a very, very tough building in Magnus Arena and play uh, one of the best teams in the country in the Denver Pioneers. So you talk about turning points in the season. Um, I, I guess, how do the Bulldogs respond from this? Yeah, I mean, with the Huskies uh, in the last eight games, four against them, four of them went to overtime and six of those eight were one goal games. So you know what you're coming, going into. You knew it was going to be a, a dog fight, for lack of a better term, and no pun intended there. But 
it, it's just something that you really wish you had some more momentum going to the the mile high city and having to play a team that the Huskies just I don't want to say got embarrassed by on on Friday last week but that's ultimately what it was it was it was a little bit of a shellacking there so uh there is a little bit of optimism um the Bulldogs for for how dicey they've played against some other teams they've had Denver's number in their last 10 they're seven two and one so they know a, a team like that they're familiar with them they've already played them once this year so it's going to be another dog fight, and it's something that I think the guys are, you know, hopefully going to have a little bit more uh, fire under them to to get a, a couple extra points. Even if they don't win both games, I, I think they're really going to fight to get one. Boy, isn't that a rare statement, by the way, Nick? Uh, we've had Denver's number this year. There's not a lot of teams in no. college hockey that can say no. that. Or Western Michigan's for that matter. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the Broncos, uh, you know, you talk about how you can build off of a, a game like this for the Huskies. Um, you know, we talked about this uh, on Sunday in the Warming House uh, podcast that this was probably a must win for the Huskies just mentally, right? Um, I think we both agreed that if they drop this game, this this could have been a season-ending type skid for the Huskies, not only for pairwise, but just trying to, you know, you get to a point where maybe you start overthinking the game, you start maybe getting things too complicated. So huge, but, you know, again, a tough test at home. Uh, the Huskies have had good success record-wise against Western Michigan. This is a different Western Michigan team coming in the building. So uh, you can't, you know, take your, your laurels and, and just sit on you know, your throne for this one. This is going to be a tough matchup. And for the Huskies, this is a must split still situation. I still think for this hockey squad to keep them in the conversation, uh, at least in the top 10. Let's put it to you this way. The teams are separated. Uh, St. Cloud to Duluth, five points. St. Cloud to uh, um, Western Michigan is 11 points. The swing either direction could be a five-point difference between the Huskies and Western Michigan, or it could be a 17-point difference uh, at the end of this weekend, depending on how the Huskies play. So you talk about the big difference, and I and you talk about the split, and I think the split is important for a couple of reasons. One, I think you got to get between Duluth last night and Western Michigan at least two out of three in that gap. To, to deal with Duluth, right? Duluth is a team in front of you where you at least want to try to close that gap because I got to be honest, and this is no offense to Max, I just think Denver is just a powerhouse. And I think if there's one team that can handle the Bulldogs somewhat readily, that might be Denver if they continue to trend the direction that they are. So the Huskies have to realize they have a great opportunity here to really try to close that gap. Um, and it really is going to be. I'll throw it in my hat in the ring here too. a dogfight for that fourth place spot between Duluth and the Huskies. I don't know if third place is necessarily in reach for either of these squads, maybe a little more for Duluth right now, depending on the weekend that they have. I don't think third place is just because of how good Western is. And I don't think St. Cloud is able to come out with a split or excuse me, a sweep of Western Michigan just from what we've seen lately, but crazier things have happened. And some, some nights are not your night, right, Max? Some nights and some weekends suddenly become your weekend and your night uh, when you didn't expect them to. And the Huskies are going to be on home ice, which they haven't had great success against the Broncos lately, but when they have, it has come at the Brooks National Hockey Center. And Max, uh, going to Denver again, they haven't lost at home all season. Uh, tough test. Uh, the Huskies did this in 1819 when they were the number one team in the country. Uh, Max, I guess, how confident uh, are you in that, you know, last 10 uh, success you've had with uh, with the Denver Pioneers and more so what's it going to take to come out with one victory, which is already going to be as you know, this season's history has shown tough enough, but maybe two. And, you know, I would imagine that no matter what happens this weekend uh, for the Bulldogs, uh, you know, we're getting towards the end of the uh, regular season. Every game, obviously, is that much more important. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a tall task, and it's one that is not going to be easily done. Um, Ryan Fanti is going to have to have another game like he had last night, and it's funny to say because you know they ended up losing, but we've we've talked about it already. It was a, a pretty stellar performance from him. He does have an edge up uh, in the goalie statistics between the two schools. Um, nine twenty three save percentage for him versus nine oh nine for for Denver, and I just it's it's going to be tough to maintain that because Denver has eight people that are higher than any one of the Bulldogs in terms of scoring on the year. So you've got Bobby Brink, who is actually um, tied with Nathan Smith, number one overall in the country, and he's Mr. Assist. So he's dishing out passes to, to these other guys who are putting them in there. So Carter Savoy and, you know, some of the other guys on that squad are able to find the back of the net pretty readily. So you're not going to be able to stop them all. If you can stop them enough for one night, that's, that's how they're going to steal one. So and, deep, so deep. The so deep. Team is. And so deep. I, I really want to ask Max, Max, this question, Nick, if I may, um, I'm kind of like taking over your show here, but I just want to ask, there's a, there's a shock. Yeah. Uh, Western Michigan, uh, the Huskies are two and eight in their last 10 against Western Duluth, one goal hockey games, uh, both nights against the Broncos last weekend, Max, from your perspective, what were some things that were successful against the Broncos and what are some things that Western Michigan does really well? Are you looking for a scouting report? Is that a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, UMD is not a scoring team. This is going to be no shock to anybody. So you have to out physical Western, which is is not easy to do. But if you're able to play position and then just pin them to the boards and take some time off the clock, that's in my opinion how you're going to beat the Broncos. And Noah, I guess anything to add to that, and then we'll have well, one final question to wrap up this segment for both of you. Yeah. Um, how does St. Cloud State do that? That's the question there. And I think, uh, you know, that has become more of a question mark since the loss, as we talked about with Will Hammer, right? And using that fourth line that is so physical, you know, the Huskies are not predominantly, and have never been a big, heavily bodied team. And Western Michigan has turned into uh, a la the St. Louis Blues of 2019, this big bruising team that has a little bit of speed and skill to go along with it. Um, if you're the Huskies, I think that the first uh, step, uh, has got to be just understanding that you're at home feed off of that energy. The crowd should be a lot better. I'm assuming for a weekend game and realize that your best foot forward has to be that Friday night, not just because of the fact that, yeah, you want to get the points in the standings and want to get a win, but I think it just sets the tone and relaxes you a little bit. If you're able to find that success early in the weekend, I think with Denver last weekend, the Huskies found that early success and then totally fizzled out and didn't carry that momentum. Can the Huskies have that kind of start on a Friday and carry that momentum at least through Friday night to put them in a good spot for the weekend. It's certainly going to be fun to watch, right? Uh, but for both of you, one final question. Uh, again, it pertains to both these squads, right? So uh, it, it's been essentially a schedule tradition uh, the last three years, at least, and maybe goes back further than that, that these teams will trade off uh, hosting each other for the final weekend of the regular season. Um, certainly plenty of hockey to play. Uh, certainly a lot of things can change, but I guess the way things are trending, I think that final weekend, that weekend in March, uh, Noel, I'll get your take first and Max, I'll, I'll let you finish it off. But uh, this could be quite the series and with a lot of things on the line when we get to uh, Amstel Arena come March. I think it's at fourth or fifth uh, for that weekend. Uh, Noah, do you see it being a battle for fourth place? Uh, come March, or do you think there's going to be some separation either way from one of these teams? I think it's going to be a battle for fourth place, but I look at the the rest of the schedule for the Huskies. They've got CC and Omaha in there as well. I think the Huskies take it, and I think they take it by a margin of less than a win, so three points or less. 
And Max, uh, do you agree with that sentiment, or do the do the Bulldogs uh, come out on top, or uh, is it going to be a little bit wider of a gap than uh, you know that uh, three point margin of victory? Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Bulldogs. Uh, I was actually just looking at schedules here for for everybody. Um, Mankato, not that they're in the talk here at all, completely different conference. They've only got two series left. The Bulldogs have four and a half, the extra game against St. Cloud. So they're going to be tired. They're going to be worn out. They're going to be in battle games. They're not going to be able to have any sort of um, a, a break really to, to get healthy if they need to. And I think it is going to come down to that last series between UMD and St. Cloud for that home spot. And the Bulldogs, in my opinion, need to be up four points going into that game. And the reason I say that is because if they're up three and they they split or they lose a couple here or there, they cannot have the same amount of points because they have so many ties and St. Cloud does not. So they're going to ultimately uh, usurp them for that four spot if that's the case. It'll be a battle of the dogs for the rest of the regular season. It's going to be a dog battle. Uh, to get those uh, points there in this uh, tough conference. But I know one thing all three of us can agree on is, you know, Bob Motzko made this move, but we're not goofs fans. We're not Gophers fans, not by any stretch of the means. Uh, but one person who is and who was going to catch us up on the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers when to bring in Jukov and catch up there a little bit of the maroon and gold. And then as we welcome in uh, Drew Cove here to talk with us, the University of Minnesota Gophers, and the one thing, again, we want to stress is podcasting while driving. Not safe, but uh, Drew Cove apparently knows how to do it very, very well. The car is stationary. I I will have you know it's uh, in a parking spot. I am not behind the wheel. Um, I mean, I am behind the wheel, but uh, I'm not uh, (laughs) actively driving. My foot is not on any pedal, so we're all good there. We're all good. The uh, the audio only podcasters are still going to have a raisin eyebrow because uh, that, that lovely picture you're showing of of the uh, the the driver's side window uh, they can't see that. Yep. Uh, the nope. one thing they can see though, however, Drew is they finally saw what we as far as Gopher fans were hoping to see is finally some consistency in a weekend as they took care of business against Michigan State this last weekend at home at 3M Mariucci Arena. Two dubs. How about that? Who who to? I mean, and two in point, a row. Yeah, we kept saying, all right, we'll believe it when we see it. We'll believe it when we see it. We'll believe it when we see it. And bam, we finally saw it this weekend. I it just, the, the go for, I mean, it did kind of uh, come a little precarious there at the start. Uh, they were down 2 nothing on Friday night to Michigan State. And, and a lot of Gopher fans probably said, oh, man, this might be a long weekend and a long finish to the season. But um, they pulled it off. They scored four unanswered to win Friday night. And then they came back and uh, Sammy Walker kind of uh, – took control on uh, Saturday night and uh, took, took the win. So uh, yeah, the Gophers are, are, were two and zero on a weekend for the first time in a while. And uh, finally they've, they've got some secure footing, I think in the, in the pairwise sense. And uh, obviously they're, they're third in the conference right now, but it's uh, I mean, looking at the situation going forward, it's uh, it's uh, it's looking a lot better with a sweep over Michigan state rather than uh, when you're down to nothing, you said, Oh boy, this could end in a, in a, in a sweep in the wrong direction. Uh, um, going into a pretty important weekend against the Big Ten's top best team, but uh, it, it, yeah, it's it was really good for this team to get uh, get two wins in in a weekend under their belt, and uh, it certainly bodes well for uh, the end of the season uh, come tournament selection time. 
Drew, you know, we talk about how hockey games have turning points, right? And down 2 nothing in Michigan State uh, without some of their top guns, both on the uh, the forward line as well as the blue line, right? Uh, I guess for fans who maybe didn't get a chance to enjoy the game, what was what turned around? What allowed the Gophers to come back in this game and eventually get the win on Friday? And, and more so, I think, more importantly for Gophers fans, as you mentioned, this is probably one of those desperation type moves for this team uh, to try to, again, like you said, secure footing for both the Big Ten tournament coming up as well as even more so the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Gophers just found their offense. They were able to get the shots to fall and uh, um, the defense obviously kind of cleaned things up and obviously kept uh, kept the door closed in front of uh, Justin Close there uh, um, for the rest of the game, obviously, after the first period there. But um, it could have it could have been uh, quite a different story, but yeah, I think they just they just cleaned things up and uh, and 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 said, you know what, this is this is the time where we really need to 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 make things happen, and we can't lose to this Michigan State team uh, on a Friday night and come out uh, uh, slow and get just really beaten out of your own rink. Uh, but yeah, it looks like they 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 found a way to uh, to get past uh, to get past the Michigan State team, obviously missing some pieces too, but to just be able to. Uh, um, you know, get past them on night number one, and then say, okay, we have enough. We have enough going to the next day. And obviously, I think if they would have, if they would have lost on Friday, I think it would have been um, a little bit easier of a story to say, look at the film, look at uh, what we did wrong, and go into the next day and maybe get a victory out of it. But uh, yeah, it's it's even more pivotal that they uh, they were able to find uh, find the win on Friday and keep keep whatever momentum they had from that game and uh, pull it into Saturday. Three weekends left for the Gophers in the Big Ten regular season schedule. Uh, and the first one come up on this docket, not an easy opponent. Ohio State um, on the road, uh, the Gophers will be. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to have the two wins, right, Drew? But you often mm-hmm. talk about how, okay, we've discussed this before on the show. This is the time to start really building something consistent. We've talked about the struggles of the consistency issues with this squad. Uh, It's not going to be easy to maintain that consistency with a great Mm -hmm. squad in the, in the Buckeyes. But uh, I guess, what are you hoping to see from the Gophers as they had on the road against a tough opponent like Ohio state currently, I believe second in the big 10, if I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, actually uh, as of recording this, I just saw it today kind of prepping for the podcast, but uh, they just, uh, they took uh, first place in the conference this week. So, uh, I know ahead of Michigan, ahead of Minnesota, who uh, again, like that's 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 a kind of indicative, I think, of the shock that they put on the on the whole conference and, and the college hockey world this season. Who would have thought Ohio State would be ahead of both Michigan and Minnesota this year in the conference? I don't think a lot of people would. Maybe Steve Rollick would. Maybe uh, maybe some people in that Ohio State locker room. Maybe some people close to the program, obviously. But uh, you know, having the, that team at the top of the Big Ten and uh, uh, obviously. They're a more a much more competitive conference than they were before. I know a lot of the WCHA detractors and the 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 people who are still very upset that the WCHA does not uh, exist on the men's side anymore. Um, uh, a lot of people thought it was a it was a weak conference. Obviously, when the Gophers won five, I think four or five straight years, uh, it was a little bit weaker. But now this 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 conference is one of the premier in college hockey. I mean, it's it's. It's the Big Ten and, and the NCHC, obviously, with and when it comes to Western hockey specifically. But, I mean, I think in the college hockey landscape as a whole, they're the two best conferences. And uh, and Ohio State being at the top of the Big Ten is is definitely uh, a good indicator of how good this conference is and how good uh, Minnesota and Michigan have been, despite some of their uh, their kind of deficiencies, I guess, this year and finding wins and, and, and all these weekends. And uh, But, 
Ohio State's really done a great job, and it's going to be tough for the Gophers to get past that goaltending and to uh, uh, to to maintain a, another weekend of uh, some pretty impressive play. But uh, they'll need to they'll need to have the scores up again. I think Sammy Walker's going to need to have a really good weekend, especially like he had on Saturday. Um, it's it like like we've said before. It's it's those big time leaders. It's those big guy big name guys that have been with the program for a long time. That this is the, this is their time to shine. This is the, this is their. Uh, I mean, I, I I did say it before, and you know what? Uh, it's it's part of the legacy of the, these guys with the program and their and the way. Excuse me. That uh, that just kind of the way that their their tenure is going to end here. Um, and they're going to want to go out on a good note and to beat, uh, beat an upstart Ohio State team that obviously is coached by uh, one of the best in college hockey, Steve Rock, like I mentioned before. But um, they're going to need to they're going to need to keep the scoring ways up. They're going to need to keep a sound defensive presence in front of Justin Close. And um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, it, it will be a really, really tough task to go to Ohio State and, uh, and, and, and get two wins. I mean, one win might it would was is still going to be tough. I mean, you can't underestimate uh, the leader of the conference at this point. So. Um, to get to get away with a split this weekend would be, I think, a good good news for the Gophers. But uh, a sweep would be uh, um, would would be a little deflating, I think, from the weekend they had uh, this weekend. And and for Ohio State, you know, looking at their statistics, they've been doing it on both sides of the puck too. Uh, uh, plenty of offense when they are winning, uh, and their goaltending too has been really good. In fact, uh, starting goaltender yeah. Jacob Dobbs, two point oh one goals against average, nine thirty eight save percentage. Those are no slouch of numbers. Uh, I know someone else on this podcast uh, might uh, try to put his numbers up against uh, maybe a name by Dryden McKay. Uh, but at the end of the day, I haven't Ohio, heard of him. I haven't. Heard I, I know him. who is that guy. No. Um, <laughs> crazy, right? Keep throwing me guys I don't know. Uh, Mike Richter Award? I, I, Mike I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know weird. about that one. Weird. Yeah, uh, weird. But, and I think that's, like you mentioned, right, I think that's partly why Ohio State has uh, it kind of surprised people. They've they've kind of, in years past, have had one or the other in terms of, of what they've mm-hmm. been known for as their identity for that season. They've either had the offense, not the defense, or vice versa. This year, they seem to put it together. Uh, I guess in your mind, do the stats correlate with what you've seen from Ohio State? Does that seem to be... Uh, there's just a complete package this year. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 to be honest, I haven't seen a ton of Ohio state, but yeah, you're right in the past. It's uh, it's, it's been forwards. I mean, uh, Mason Yops and uh, Tanner Lazinski, I think it's uh, they, those, those guys were kind of the biggest, the biggest threats up top and they were the, the dynamic scorers and uh, kind of making a name for Ohio state as it kind of enters a new college hockey realm uh, being in the big 10 and kind of being a force in the big 10 rather than just kind of a, uh, a passenger along with some of the some of the bona fide college hockey schools, but Ohio State's gonna done done a good job in getting some of these guys uh, to some of these really skilled guys to, to commit and stay with the program for a long time. But yeah, after after they had a, a lot of offensive presence, they've been known, I guess, for some physical defensive play as well. As uh, some Gopher fans might note, uh, Ben Clymer uh, and and his and and kind of noting Dakota Joshua on the back end is a is it is it he was always a big name. Uh, but you know, it's it's it always depends on. Uh, I, I think it it really seems like it's the goaltend goaltending this year, and who knows? It could be it could be the full package for Ohio State. But uh, uh, I think go, a lot of Gopher fans will learn a lot about Ohio State this weekend too. Now that they've been kind of put on notice and how good Ohio State's been, and uh, and and you know just how Ohio State's been, along with uh, kind of the Gophers uh, needing to really really pull it together this weekend uh, going forward. And as you mentioned, split, uh, you know, is obviously desirable. Now, you would w- obviously want two wins uh, if you can. Now, again, going into enemy territory, that's a, a tall task. But, uh, Drew, 
for the Gophers, you know, what has to be their line of success to be able to come away with at least one victory, if not two, against the Buckeyes this weekend? What has to go right? Yeah, I mean, they're going to need, uh, like like we've said a lot in the past, they're going to need their their defense to really stand tall and to, to not get, not let a lot of shots, a lot of high danger shots get through to Justin Close. Um, they're going to need their forwards to, uh, to the, their big time forwards to make, make some plays. Um, and that's not going to, that's not going to mean that Bryce Brodzinski is going to need to get two goals each night. That doesn't mean Sammy Walker is going to need to have three, four points every, both nights. But it means that uh, a lot of those guys are going to have to cobble together a night and just to say, all right, one or two guys are going to take over the game. That that's what needs to happen to, to make this go for hockey team successful and to make this, uh, and to make, I guess, get, get a couple victories out of a, out of a really tough team in Ohio state. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's just Sam, Sammy Walker is kind of prime example, I think for the way, uh, the way he performed on Saturday night last week and just say, all right, I'm going to go out and get a couple goals. The rest of the team, you follow behind me and I'm going to take this one. He's the captain. You know what? That's, that's the way to go. And, uh, they're going to need that down the stretch here. And obviously as uh, they have not necessarily a leadership void, um, obviously Jack LaFontaine, I'm sure had a pretty uh, big voice in that locker room and talking with him in the past, he's, he's been uh, kind of a calming presence, uh, a big name kind of leader for this team. Um, who knows the way it's been in, in there since, um, but we'll see uh, how, kind of how they can fill that uh, saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put the team on my shoulders here and this is, it's up to me to, to make a difference. And, it doesn't have to be the same guy every night. That's the good. That's the good thing for the Gophers. It doesn't have to be the same guy, eat night in and night out. They just need one or two guys to say, "All right, this is this is this is the way that this night's going to go. We're going to get a win, and uh, the rest of the team will follow." And that's a good. That's always the fun part about college hockey is that it's it's that fluid and saying, "All right, these guys can get motivated and really have the energy to go out and say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get this victory. Not that not, not that we might, but uh, this is this is the night uh, it's going to work out." And, uh, you know, it, it's funny that, you know, last week, you know, we talked about, you know, is there a leadership void? You know, was there a, a voice that maybe at least along the players that maybe was missing, uh, you know, Michigan State and not necessarily the, the best team this year, but getting two wins. Uh, we talked about how the Gophers were essentially in that bubble territory uh, last week with the pairways. They jumped to nine, um, which is still, you know, close to the edge, but a little bit safer now. Uh, and especially with Ohio State coming up this weekend, Drew, uh, again, you know, you talk about a split. Ohio State actually ranked 10th in the pairwise. Um, so mm-hmm. getting a split, probably more important uh, than just the Big Ten standings. This is this has pairwise implications as well. Yeah, if it's a sweep against, the Gophers could be in fringe territory. Um, and especially if uh, the way the rest of the season goes against uh, Wisconsin and Penn State, it might not be um, the safest of scenarios, I guess you could say. But uh um, they're really going to want to split or a sweep in their favor this weekend to make sure that they uh, they can get some good standing. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't be having this conversation, I don't think, if uh, they would have split or lost two against Michigan State. But they put themselves in a, in a, in a position now to be uh, either in or on the fringe. And um, I think uh, it's going to take I – th- I think it's going to take splits here on out. And maybe they – I think they get lucky and uh, beat, uh, excuse me, Wisconsin or Penn State uh, twice in a weekend. Obviously, two of the weaker teams in the conference, I believe. But, uh, you know – it's it's gonna take uh it's gonna take two uh, at least a win this weekend and that's that's I think all Gopher fans uh can ask for this weekend against like we said a very tough Ohio State team.
Now we know what they have to do, Drew. We know what they what they need to do, but the question is, can they do it? So I, I guess it's it's time to to predict. Uh, do you see the split uh, realistically, or do you see the Gophers maybe surprising some folks and maybe taking both on the road? Or uh, do we even dare talk about worst case scenario? I and mean, how do you see this series playing out? Yeah, I, I see split, um, but. It, it, I, I think it honestly could go either direction. Who knows if the Gophers take this momentum and say, "All right, if we can, if we can sweep Michigan State, it should be that much harder to go and sweep uh, Ohio State." But then it could also turn back around on them. Maybe they have a little too much confidence and say, "All right, maybe we can uh, take it a little easy," and uh, they get beaten twice. That would be worst, absolute worst case scenario, obviously. But uh, um, I don't know. I could see it going both ways on the extreme, but I think I'm going to have to settle in the. Be, pull the uh, pull, pull the the move and just say to not be uh, too just a milk toast move and say all right I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here and uh, see a victory for either side on uh, on the weekend. Gophers could benefit from at least one win. Could really benefit from two if they can do it on the road again against Ohio State this weekend before the schedule uh, wraps up. The next two weeks they have a series uh, away before coming back at home. So there's one home series left here for the Gophers. Drew again, thank you very much. Let's now turn it over to your St. Paul rivals or maybe I should say rivals in making as we bring in Ryan State to talk a little bit of St. Thomas and the Tommies. And now joining us to talk St. Thomas Hockey, of course, our friend from TripleDeek.com, Ryan Stieg. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Uh, you look like you're nice and comfortable on the couch. Uh, how have things been for you? Uh, it was pretty in- – it's been good. Uh, it was a fun weekend watching St. Thomas play. So, uh, I'm just chilling out, um, ordered some pizza, so that was fun. So. So we have to because there's, there's so many pizza options out there. When you see ordered pizza, is it delivery or is it DiGiorno? I I I got delivery this uh, tonight. Um, I was out of Seventh Avenue Pizza. I'm sorry. I feel like- <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your uh, delivery pizza of choice? We're um you know Devani's is actually right next door, so I kind of went like the I don't know lack of effort route and just like chose the place that's right next to <laughs> rather than like really put a lot of depth and say like, Hmm, what would be a great meal? I'm just like, it's next door. I'll just get that pizza. And, call it. So. and uh, because we, we get to, to so many debates on this and, and I think it's actually kind of fun. What's your, uh, what's your go-to toppings on your pizza? Well, it's got to have some sort of meat on it. I like, I like pepperoni. I like sausage, bacon, Canadian bacon. Um, I, it's got to have some of that. I like mushrooms. I like back olives. I am a person who actually doesn't hate pineapple on pizza. Well, you took away my next question. Thank you. So if you to me, so fruit belongs on pizza is what you're telling me. Well, I don't want to say it belongs on it, but if I happen to eat a slice, I'm not going to get grossed out on it. I'm, I actually don't mind it. So cancel Ryan. Uh, Caleb is <laughs> going to be hashtagging that. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, you know, well, don't, get, don't get Caleb started. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> once he starts, uh, the, the train is hard to stop. Uh, yeah. Speaking of train that's hard to stop, 
uh, St. Thomas was running into a train that was was on a roll uh, in Michigan Tech this past weekend. Uh, But honestly, you know, we've touched on this topic a a multitude of times and it kind of gets, you know, repetitive. But again, for St. Thomas, this was actually a pretty darn good series for them, despite the records. And yes, I know. I know everybody's going to go out there and say, Nick, they still lost two games. I don't care. Uh, this is a, this is a team that gave actually a pretty good run to one of the top fifteen teams in the country. It, it was it was honestly their best weekend I think overall that I've seen them play this year. Yeah, they beat Ferris twice, and you know could have beaten you know swept all four games. But this is you know when I talked to Rico Blasi, he was just very pleased overall with how the weekend went. It was uh, just so good on so many levels that first game that atmosphere in that place first tech is there with their fans um for people don't know tech always travels well maybe not like north dakota levels travels well but nobody travels like north dakota so and that's probably a good thing sometimes if you're in a (laughs) if you're within a driving distance from houghton michigan you're gonna have some uh, michigan tech fans there and from what i heard tech has a pretty big uh, alumni base in the cities too but um they're it's almost entirely michigan tech fans and they're chanting the whole game and as soon as saint thomas tied it like the small contingent of tommy's fans were just chanting and just <laughs> trying to give it right back to them when they're heavily outnumbered. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, I mean, and it's something to be proud of. They're down 3-1 to, at the time, number 15 team in the country, number seven in the pairwise. It To rally from that and to tie it and came, and came how many shots did they just miss the net on? They almost beat the number 15 team in the country, came close, um, you just sit there and just like, oh, if one little thing that Cristiano Versace so- shot is just going to be forever entrenched in my mind because I legit thought it went in and everybody in the press row thought it went in like, wow, I'm literally marking it down on my stat sheet. I'm like Versace scores at this mark. And then I look up and play is still continuing. And I'm just like, what (laughs) like because it it hit the bar and it dropped straight down so i'm thinking oh it had to have crossed the line because it landed like behind blake pila so i'm like it had to have gotten up it uh, apparently didn't cross the line and i asked rico if he wanted to review it and he said i didn't think it was close enough to justify a review and you don't want to burn it on a review that's not going to go your way probably but uh just he was in great spirits after the game and the guys, even though it was a tie, the positive feeling in the tunnel, it was just like, the guys were like, look how close we came and look how far we've come. You know, we were getting blown out like eight, nothing or like six, one, these games in the first half. And they've lost an overtime to Bowling Green. They lost a tight one to Ferris almost probably could have swept them. And now they almost beat Michigan tech. It's like everything in the second half has kind of started to come together. And I put that in my preview that they're building towards something. Are they, I mean, they're not going to obviously do anything really big the rest of the year, but if they could get like a win, just one win <laughs> the rest of the year, if it's against like if it's against Lake state or up in Alaska this weekend, it would be huge. And even Saturday night they played, it was a two nothing shutout, but it was tight the whole game. I mean, they were shutting 
tech down on the power play. They were just really there. Peter Tomey's having a great night. It's just the offense wasn't there. Like tech, I don't want to say woke up, but it was just like they got that jolt of, hey, we almost lost last night in a game that nobody expected us to lose. So they really clamped down defensively. And, you know, St. Thomas just isn't deep enough where if a team just really crushes them on defense, they're not going to be able to find openings to get out of it. And I've watched it happen before, but uh, still a very successful series. And I think even if you're just like following my tweets or just like looking at the stats from like college hockey news or something like that, that doesn't really paint a picture of just how close that game was and how good the series was. It was a really great weekend for them. And Ryan, you know, with new programs, right. And I think it's important to, to mention that again, this is the first year, right? So you expect mm-hmm. growing pains, but also there, there are, your first win is sort of a, a benchmark, right? Mm-hmm. But then the next step after your first win is what's that sort of, you know, pillar game where you are in a game or I suppose probably at this point you win a game that you probably shouldn't. How big would it have been for St. Thomas, whether it's an overtime and a shootout, had they have actually pulled it off on Friday, how big would that have been for that program and that fan base? It would It would have been great. I mean, there's getting more... There's more of a notice now. I mean, I'm seeing more Tommy's fans at games. You know, like I said, you know, Tech, you know, has their huge alumni base and Tech travels well, so they were outnumbered. But when Tech Tommy's fans are there, they're loud, they're cheering, they're supportive, and it's nice to see more and more people showing up. And I think if they had, I mean, Tech got the extra point, which is important, but, you know, it wouldn't have been a win had, you know, they won the shootout, you know, if the Tommies had done that. But still, just to do that that just jolt of electricity this motivation for the rest of the year be like hey we have three weeks left of the regular season let's try to make some noise you know people aren't really expecting us to do much in the conference tournament you know let's see if we can go on with a little momentum and try to build on that for next year and they came close and uh the great thing is is the rest of the season they're somewhat winnable games you know, they have a last this weekend. They got Lake State at home, and then they go to Bemidji. So they're, they could get that third win. They could pull that um, upset, I guess you want to say, and get that marquee victory. It would have been better, I think, if they would have beaten Michigan Tech because they're a ranked team and high in the pairwise. But I think just finishing strong would be a good thing for them. And, Ryan, that kind of brings us to the question because, you know, college hockey – you know, it's it's kind of weird how college hockey, as far as the parity is, because you have it's very top heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you're towards, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you're towards the bottom, uh, especially if you're new a program like St. Thomas is, you know, when you have these sort of wins, you know, Fair State, it was big, right? Because Fair State is no slouch of a team and, you know, that maybe not as marquee or as high as maybe, you know, as say like a St. Cloud or North Dakota. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I guess it brings us to to the ultimate question. Well, you know, what constitutes a really a, a sort of like an upset win, right? And so, what what are the conditions that make a, an upset win, in your opinion? Okay, the, the, I love this topic because when I used to be, we were on this radio show when I lived about, back up in the Upper Peninsula, and we talked for probably fifteen to twenty minutes on what actually constitutes an upset and the official definition of sports, and it, it got really heated. Um, but I will say what I consider one is just, it doesn't have to just be an underdog thing. I think a true upset is when a team 
nobody really expects to to win this game at all. Like St. Thomas beating Tech, or um, I don't know, like Sacred Heart taking down I don't know Mankato or something like that. How about know? Appalachian State in Michigan? Yeah, you know that, <laughs> that. In my mind, that's what an upset is. I mean, some people say, oh, you know the number 20th ranked team beat the number two ranked team. And it's like, I guess officially they're lower ranked. So that is technically an upset, but it's just not in my book. It's like, it's gotta be something that you look statistically, this team should in no way be able to keep up with that, uh, with their opponent. And they were able to pull it off. So, yeah, I think that is my idea of an upset. I think if St. Thomas were have pulled that off, it could constitute the biggest upset in men's college hockey this year. I think in my book, it would have been, I know we, I know Alex likes to think it was the fairest beating Mankato one, which <laughs> was that the catastrophic one? That was the catastrophic. <laughs> one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know that's his thing and I saw it too, but I've also seen Ferris play and they're, they're not really a bad team per se. They're just, you know, they're better than they were last year and better than they were two years ago. It's just, but if St. Thomas were have beaten Michigan Tech, that would have been a really boom for everybody. I remember when they rallied to tie it, I got like somehow got 12 or 15 more followers just so people could keep watching, <laughs> keep track of the game. Because like, is it going to happen? Is it actually so that that, in my opinion, is an upset. I mean, is that in your mind, too, or? Hundred percent, you know, because if you just go by rankings, that it's to me that's not a true upset. A true upset is like you said, it's that David versus Goliath mentality, where it's like there's, you know, there's no chance in hell that you know that team that's below them should even be on the same ice sheet. Nonetheless, you know, have a chance to win. And then if you're able to pull off something like that, which is just un so unprecedented, uh, I think to me, I I'm with you on that. I think that's really what an upside is because the, the emotions there, right? Because it's on both sides. You have the underdog, which is like, we're going to give it our all. And, you know, maybe you get the bounces or maybe it's just, you know, you get things to go the right way. And then it's almost the opposite case for the team that's on top, right? Where you can't get a bounce. Uh, you know, the, the, the puck is, you know, you know, bouncing up the stick on passes. You just, you can't find a groove. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a position you never thought you'd be into. Then you start to panic. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of this weird dynamic of emotions and, and, and just circumstances that culminate into uh, a finish like that. It's fascinating to me, honestly. Um, and honestly, Ryan, you know, for, for St. Thomas, you know, traveling to Alaska this weekend, you know, I guess this probably wouldn't be feeling the definition of an upset, but this still would be a pretty decent weekend for them if they can pull at least one win out of this weekend, wouldn't you say? I think it would be a very decent weekend to pull that off. I think what's fun for me this weekend is, I guess, when you look at talent on each roster of the three remaining regular season games, three remaining regular season series for St. Thomas, this is probably the one most likely that they could get a win at just because of talent level and experience and stuff like that. Um Alaska is a fascinating team. This, their story is just, this team didn't play, <laughs> you know, last season. Now they're back. Now it looked like maybe they're going to fold. They weren't allowed in the CCHA. So they're trying to make it go on their own. It's, it's a fun story. And the interesting thing is I thought they would be almost like a complete mess this year because of that situation, but they've beaten the Gophers. They beat Clarkson. They lost three games to ranked teams that, you know, that 
shouldn't have, they shouldn't have been competing with. They tied Denver, number three team in the country. I mean, they're they're going to be they're not a pushover. I mean, this is going to be a fun. I think a good weekend and a fun weekend, and uh, it, it's not going to be as big of a win as if they beat Michigan Tech. But still, I mean, to go up to Alaska and come out with a win, potentially even two. That's that's just something to really build on, and I think that would be an incredible moment for them. Uh, two more points here, Ryan. Uh, you know, and I guess you know before we you get your predictions on how the season will go, you know, versus what we you know maybe think it will happen. <laughs> I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is St. Thomas capable of? I mean, because again, the second half actually has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you take it with the record, you actually look at how they play. They've actually not been bad. Are they sort of like the ultimate dark horse for the CCHA? Like, it almost kind of seems like they have like this Grim Reaper sort of, you know, cloak to them just because, again, they've been so much better the second half. You know, they're a team that I, I could say that are they capable of making a surprise in the CCHA, albeit even if it's for a run round? Uh, could they make a splash there? You know, could that marquee win be in the CCHA tournament? I think it could very well be a possibility. It just, it just, it just looks like they're going to play Mankato in the first round. Uh, you know, statistically. Well, when you phrase it that way, you take all the wind out of my sails. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I it, people forget, and I brought, you know, St. Thomas was down 2 1 to Mankato midway through the third period and had hung tight with them the entire game. It just shows that they are better and they have improved. I think even if they lose, like, a three, two game or something like that with Mankato. That's a huge accomplishment because it just shows how far they've come. Um, I think if they were playing any other team <laughs> other than Mankato, <laughs> I think they really could make a lot of noise maybe. And they kind of are a dark horse a little bit right now because uh, who was it? Was it Max who said like games against St. Thomas are gimmies now? Like they're automatically two wins. Is it Max who said Just, that? I, I think it was Max that said that. It, yeah, I think. I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I don't think teams can look at St. Thomas on their schedule, at least the ones that are still on the schedule, and say this is going to be an easy weekend for them because almost beat Bowling Green, almost beat Michigan Tech, hung tight with Mankato for one game. You know, they this is a t- they hung tight with Bemidji too. This is a team that can surprise you and their grit and they match your intensity it's this is not an easy two wins and it's not even a guaranteed one win i would say for a lot of these teams so i think teams are gonna have to bring it for the rest of the year because this is a team that wants to go out strong and uh they made that pretty clear when i saw them in the locker room both nights uh quickly 30 seconds ryan your predictions for this weekend in um alaska for the series I'm calling a split. I think St. Thomas is going to get one up in Alaska. Um, I just, Rico said he didn't think the travel was going to have an effect on them, you know, the time change and all that jazz. But it seems to always have an effect on some team on some level. And I think one of the games, either Friday or Saturday, they're just going to kind of hit a wall um, or they'll not be adjusted to it well enough or it's getting too late <laughs> and it's it's starting to drag on them a little bit. So I think they come up with a split, come home with a win. And I think that's going to be something great that they can build. I hope they do it because I think, uh, again, that we still, we, we see the chapters, you know, changing guard here for St. Thomas as they start to really kind of get settled in to division one mm-hmm. hockey. And I think they're, 
they're starting to make themselves comfortable. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, Ryan, mm -hmm. again, as always, thank you very much. We have one stop left on our tour here through Minnesota College Hockey. We'll bring in the man himself, Mick Tockett, as Paul and Alan likes to say. But no, it's not Pat Micheletti. We're going to talk to Alex Micheletti, and we're going to talk about the number one team in the country. And that's Minnesota State Mankato. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to the Super Bowl 56. New customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championship the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 50 <laughs> for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and New York customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, joining us on our last segment, as always, we bring in the captain of the Mavericks, at least on this podcast, Alex Micheletti. Uh, Mr. Alex, how are we doing tonight, sir? Good, good. Uh, yeah, it was another productive weekend for the, for the Mavericks, uh, you know, another sweep. So, um, and to do it without Nathan Smith and Mike Hastings was, was huge and uh, um, didn't have one of their best defensemen uh, all weekend either in Akito Hirose. So, um, yeah, they battled through some adversity and, uh, you know, fun to see uh, the local kid, Brendan Furry, who's from Ohio, um, in front of his uh, friends and family, um, you know, have a really good weekend. You know, had a couple goals uh, on Friday, had uh, uh, had one on Saturday as well. So, you know, fun for him for sure, too. Uh, Mankato, uh, another long win streak now, up to seven wins in a row. Um, somehow, somehow are not number one in the pairway. Somehow Michigan still holds that title, Alex how in the heck is that possible? Yeah, it makes no sense. Maybe, maybe because Michigan beat Mankato, that's the only thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's so weird with those models. You never know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's very interesting for sure. It's interesting because when you look at, you know, and again, the, the pair the models, you mentioned it, it's all done to math. Uh, but really the number one team in the country uh, by the polls, right? It, it is the Mankato Mavericks, 31st place votes. Somehow Quinnipiac and somehow an East Coast team continues because their record is 23-2 and three continues to somehow be up there. I'm surprised Denver isn't number two. I mean, what the heck is that all about? Yeah, I was able to watch that game after the Mavericks one, and, uh, and they they are so impressive. Uh, that Savoy kid is one of the best I've I've seen in college hockey, and uh, yeah, they they are a scary team. That's that's not a team you want to play in April for sure. Uh, not a team you want to play even in March uh, right. if you're in the NCHC going into uh, to, to the NCHC Frozen Faceoff, uh, and it's it's Matt Savoy, right? For for Cart or is Carter. It Carter? It's Carter. Carter. Savoy. It's yeah. Matt. Is it Matt Savoy that's coming up on? That's a, a 2022 draft eligible player. Am yes. I correct on that? Yeah, and that's, yeah. He's uh, the yeah. He's the freak in the. I think he's in the WHL. So yeah. 
Pretty, pretty nuts. So that the Savoy name isn't going to be going away from hockey anytime soon. Nope. Uh, but Alex, yeah, what, what's we did a kind of a recap there on Bowling Green uh, again. Another sweep on the weekend, as we mentioned, seven straight wins, eight to one. The Mavericks outscored uh, the Falcons throughout the weekend. Uh, what'd you like from the the Mavs? I mean, it, we're kind of running a stuff to to say that we don't like about the Mavs because there isn't much. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mentioned his name a little bit ago, Brendan Fury. He stepped in right, uh, right for the. Uh, top line in the uh, you know center position where Nathan Smith was, and uh, you know had a huge weekend. I, I, I figured he was going to have a big weekend, being able to play in front of family and friends. Um, now that always gives you an extra boost. And uh, you know Julian the Pravnik, uh, what can you say more about about this kid? Um, he's going to be a free agent. Uh, you know, you know, you know, definitely going to be up there like uh, you know with my, uh, Ben Myers from Minnesota. Um, you know, I think he was disappointed not to make the German uh, Olympic team. And so, you know, he had a monster weekend too. And, and Cade Borchardt, um, you know, had, um, you know, a multi-point night Friday too. And so, yeah, that top line is, is, is very impressive. And, um, you know, what can you say more, more about Dryden? You know, he, you know, another two wins and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, you can't, can't make it up. He had well, you know, his fifth uh, goaltender of the week uh, in the CCHA. So, yeah, you're, you're running out of things to say. Nice to have a little, um, you know, break here uh, upcoming to, to get everybody healthy. And um, what's nice for the Mavs is um, Nathan Smith is only going to miss four games compared to those gopher guys that are going to miss six. Um, and so, um, yeah, just get ready for a huge stretch run here. And uh, what what more can you say about Michigan Tech, too? I mean, they, they're they sixth in the pairwise, which nobody would ever think. Uh, um, and they, they are a really impressive team, too. So uh, it's going to be a battle uh, down the stretch with them. Minnesota State, as you mentioned, off this weekend, only two regular season series left remaining for the Mavericks. Um, uh, to me, I guess for the Mavs, I mean, and I guess it's the old coaching omen. You you like the break because it gives the time and the body to reset to you know to kind of rest. But from a coach's perspective, you almost kind of wish you kept playing. You want to keep the momentum going. Uh, I guess Alex, where do you kind of sit with that? Is that more superstition than anything, or do you think there's some truth about you know having a team in rhythm? Yeah, I think there's some truth in that. Look at what happened to the Wild last night. Um, so, I mean, they they were coming off the break. Everybody was in Florida probably or somewhere sunny. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, kind of, um, you know, had a, had a tough one. And so, yeah, I think I think it's nice to continue to have that that rhythm. Um, and so, you know, I've been following the, the, the Mavericks Instagram and looks like they've been practicing all week. And so still trying to get in that, uh, you know, those battles um, w- within the team and, you know, try to keep it going. Um, Cause you can't, can't take your foot off the gas here. Um, you know, we're getting close to playoff time, like you mentioned. And uh, um, you know, if, if you don't, uh, if you don't win the, uh, the conference tournament, then you're kind of just sitting there and, uh, you slowly see yourself go down the, down the pairwise. And so you want to be, you want to have that one seed because having that one seed is such an advantage. Do you believe in the first overall curse in college hockey? We've, we've seen it happen a couple times. We've seen it happen to that Mavericks team. We've seen it happen to, uh, to your Huskies. Um, it's, it's a little nerve wracking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Hey, Michigan, if you want it, you can have it. They're kind of under a lot of scrutiny right now as you know, to begin with. Um, and so oh boy, are they with, with being under investigation, you never want to 
you know, you never want to hear the words law firm <laughs> involved. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's something else. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think there is, um, for sure. So, well, uh, if you're a Minnesota state fan, the Mavericks, uh, yeah, Michigan, you can have the, have the, the number one overall seed. There's something to be said about having, you know, kind of being a top of the mountain, right, Alex? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's when you're looking down, uh, you know, in a hypothetical sense, you know, it's, it, it, I don't know, it, it's, it's something mental. It's something, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, it, it's, it's one of those where if you're, if you're a team that's always in the, on the looking up, and I, I mentioned this because you mentioned my Huskies again. You, you talk about one of the biggest upsets in college hockey history: AIC versus St. Cloud. Uh, again, first uh, game in the NCAA quarterfinals up there in Fargo, uh, despite the ice conditions, which, yeah, they, they weren't great, but you still got it's the same ice sheet for both teams. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, that, that was a dud. Uh, but I guess, you know, how do you avoid it? If you're in Minnesota State and you are number one, I guess, you know, what what sort of things can you do to keep yourself motivated to continue instead of maybe looking down, how do you look up at a team? I mean, how, how do you continue to have that focus that there's always something to get better and there's always someone, somebody, some team that might be better than us on any given night. Yeah. You gotta have that chip on your shoulder attitude. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why all these, all these guys came back for Mankato and, and Dryden and, you know, Nathan Smith, uh, he seems like just such a completely different guy. Um, you know, cause he could, he could have been with Winnipeg and been in Manitoba with, uh, with the, uh, you know, CJ Cease, uh, who was a former Maverick and, uh, yeah, you just gotta, you know, come in with that hungry uh, man mentality. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing with St. Cloud. They, um, they seem like a completely different team, you know, um, and they brought everybody back and, uh, you know, they, they felt that disappointment losing to UMass. And so you just got to, you know, keep, keep bringing it and uh, not, not let your foot off the gas and uh, you know, not, not be afraid, no fear mentality and and try to go win that natty. You know, it's interesting. We we talk about the Huskies and the Mavs and, you know, ever since that semifinal uh, matchup there in April in Pittsburgh, these teams have had two very different regular season pass uh, early on. And when these two teams met down in Mankato, uh, very similar squads, uh, both had high aspirations. Mankato has been essentially the top of the heap all season. Uh, St. Cloud was up there and then uh, been a bit of a slide. I guess if you're a fan of college hockey and dare I say it, if you put yourself in a Huskies fan shoes, I would never ask you to do such a thing. But I'm going to here for just a second. Um, you know, is there a reason for panic? I mean, is there a reason to look at the squad and say, eh, Steve isn't the same as before. And is there, is there, is there a concern that they may not make it back for that other opportunity to try to win their first ever national championship? I don't think so. I mean, just with, look at this winning streak that they're on. I mean, um, like, like we've talked about, um, uh, that that Ferris loss, I think, really shook up that team. Um, you know, can't you can you can lose to anybody, and so um, they just you know they just seem uh, in in this mindset to you know to keep going. Um, you know, you don't have you don't have your best player, don't have your head coach, and and they went out and swept uh, Bowling Green in Bowling Green in a tough environment, uh, kind of a smaller uh, rink, um, and so. Um, yeah, they and they just blew the blew the covers off both both nights against uh, Bowling Green, and so um, that was really impressive. You know, that's a team that they've they've had a lot of history with over the past couple of years, and especially in the conference tournament. And so, 
um, yeah, it's it's an impressive impressive squad. Uh, it's amazing the depth that they um, that Mike Hastings and Ty Kanad and, and now Paul Cart- uh, Kirtland's taken over for Darren Blue. Um, you know they um, you know if guys guys are out of the lineup, they have guys that step step right in. And um, what more can you say about a guy like Ryan Sandlin too? Um, you know, oh um, boy, he's uh, tied for the nation in, in, in goals, uh, with 19, which, um, you know, you would have never thought of, uh, coming into this, um, season. Um, but he's, uh, really taken advantage of his opportunity and it's, it's really, really fun to see him, uh, grow, grow into that scoring role role. Cause then, you know, in previous years he had been known more as a grinder and, uh, yeah. So, he, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to see him score all those goals for sure. As a fan of this team, right, as we've yeah. seen them just continue to carry the mail uh, throughout this season, is there any part of you or is there any sort of level of fear in the Mankato uh, fan base that, you know, you kind of get into this, you know, destiny type mentalities as, you know, this team just has mm-hmm. all the pieces they do. They got the goaltending, they got the offense, they've got the defense, they've got the coach, they've got the system. It seems like the perfect matches here for this team to do something really special. Um, but with that, you know, sense of, you know, sort of we're on the right path. Is there a fear that something could derail that? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> this team did it to us, uh, last, last year, um, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, uh, um, in the, the tournament to, at the beginning too, with the uh, Quinnipiac, uh, you know, going down and then having the score in the last, last minute to, to tie it. And then, you know, Sandlin gets the overtime winner and, uh, you know, every, everybody in the, in the fan base and, and alumni were just going crazy. It, uh, it was incredible. And then the, uh, the steam shut out the Gophers was, was something else too. And then, you know, get your heart broken against, against St. Cloud. So the, those, those flashbacks and in, in the previous, uh, tournaments, uh, definitely give you a little, you know, panic. Um, but, um, that's always going to be in the back of your head until you actually win one. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if this is the year. We'll see if uh, Boston brings uh, good vibes. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they beat uh, they swept UMass out in UMass. So maybe hopefully that's a good omen <laughs> out on the East Coast. Uh, I would hope so. Uh, at least if you're the Mavericks. Uh, one thing that may not be a good omen for the Mavericks is, uh, and, and I know we touched on this uh, maybe an episode or two ago, Alex. And and again there's so much talk out there in the fan bases, whether it's CCHA, Big Ten, NCHC, you name it, and how, you know what, the Mavs, they're in a weak conference. They really haven't had, you know, this sort of character win. They've had a they've had a, had a breeze through their schedule. Now, you and I both know this team is good. There's no question about it, right? Yeah. But is there something, is there something to be made of, you know, whether there hasn't really been that much adversity for the squad? Is there something to that? Yeah, it could be. I mean, but you know, look at what Mike Mike Hastings did in, in, in scheduling the non-conference. I mean, like I mentioned to you, they swept BU. Um, you know, BU's right on the edge there, being an NCAA team. Uh, they swept uh, UMD, um, which is which is no easy feat. Uh, as no. we saw last night, they uh, they played the dogs just in, you know incredibly tough. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so in beat Arizona State. So I mean, they've 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 beaten some, some, you know, uh, you know, non-conference teams that are, that are, that are pretty talented um, and guys are going to be playing in the NHL. And so, um, you know, and, and Michigan tech too. look at it. I mean, they're going to be an NCAA you know, team for sure. Um, 
So um, they've done everything they they've can to try to prove prove the doubters wrong. And uh, you know, having that having that number two pairwise ranking is um, you know shows shows a lot too. Um, you know, um, you can't take anybody lightly as you know um, as they saw you know against you know Fair State and they lost to to Northern too. Um, so. Um, you know, I, I think they've, they've done everything they, they can to, you know, try to prove that narrative wrong. Um, you know, it's going to be in the back of every, every, everybody's minds. Um, but you know, they've, they've tried to, to show that, you know, that's, that's not the case. Let's, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but, uh, you know, we, we talk about how February, you know, this is the month teams really do have to get tournament ready. Right. But there are some teams that we talk about here in this podcast, sitting kind of in a tough situation. Uh, we talked to this a couple of weeks ago, whether, you know, Minnesota is a bubble team, you know, uh, how do you handle that adversity? Uh, but I want to talk on two teams specifically. Let's talk on North Dakota, mm-hmm. technically 13th in the pairwise. Uh, let's just start with them. Do the fighting Hawks. Yes. The proper name for those who are listening. Do they make it in 13 is legit bubble territory. Um, schedule is okay. Uh, but do they have enough to put them over the hump? Yeah, I think <laughs> i i picked I picked North Dakota to win the NCHC at the at the beginning of the season, um, and so I got to stick with them. I think I think they're going to make it. They're you know I, they remind me of of the UMD team that snuck in, um, you know, and got the last spot and won the won the national title. I, you know, I think you know having having a guy like Jake Sanderson once they can finally get him back from the Olympics is just he's such a difference maker when he plays um and so um you know i think uh you know i think that that St. Cloud series was pivotal for them um it seemed to get them back in the in a good groove of things um they really needed that um you know especially Driscoll uh, you know kind of saving the day for them um you know and so yeah uh, yeah i think i think they barely get in and then uh, we'll touch on one last team. Uh, the Gophers uh, is technically ninth right now in the pairwise. Their yeah. schedule is favorable yeah. after this weekend. Um, Ohio State will be a tough test, although Ohio State is actually below them in the pairwise. Yeah. Um, does Minnesota make it in? Um, I guess I would say yes, just based on the schedule. But uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I was able to. I went to both games last weekend, um, you know, against Michigan State and uh with all those guys out of the lineup, uh, the the young freshman really stepped up. Rhett Pitlick was the best player on the ice all weekend. Um, he was incredible, and Aaron Huglin, the the Rozo kid, was was very impressive too. And so, yeah, I think I think they make it. Um, you know, Justin Close has been playing really well in that uh, after <laughs> being put in an unfortunate situation, being the guy, uh, you know, with Lafontaine uh, going to the Canes. And so, yeah, I think they make it. I think. Uh, like like we've talked about uh, in past episodes, uh, the Hockey East is having a really, really, really down year, and I think it's the same for the Big Ten. Um, you know, Penn State's you know has, is not having a good year. Michigan State's I think lost eight in a row. Wisconsin I think has lost seven or eight in a row, and so yeah, I think uh, you know I think that the schedule is going to be favorable for the for the Gophers, um, and and now they're now they're playing really well. You know, coming off a sweep is is, is huge and. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, they match up against Ohio State pretty well too. So um, yeah, I think they get in as well. 
it'll be uh, tough on the road uh, for the Gophers, uh, yep. but I think a split uh, would be okay if they were to get swept by Ohio State. Maybe some concern panic there. Yeah. That might be panic mode, but I think it w- as long as you get one, uh, Minnesota's sitting pretty. Uh, Alex, uh, always a pleasure. Again, the Mavericks have the weekend off this weekend, but uh, uh, we'll be catch up to you next week. Uh, we'll have a little bit more of a preview for of our Mavericks hockey for getting back on the ice. Uh, and that will do it here for episode number 18 here for the MNCAA podcast. You can always check us out on social media, Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. Uh, please check us out. Uh, it always helps us out. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you folks back again here next week.